That is a very, very, very true story. Um, you guys imprinted a moment and an experience of love. We're going to be talking about a lot of hospitality and generosity today and love. And it's firsthand experience from you guys, and especially from this church community and the leadership team here. The hospitality I've felt, the feeling of being wanted here has just made me want to come back. And I love you guys. I seriously love you guys. And something funny, uh, as you can see what I'm wearing. Um, <laughs> so you guys have no idea what lengths I had to go to get this. Everywhere was sold out, and I just had to roam the mall, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Ended up finding a 5XL, one of these, and had to walk across the mall to go get it tailored, and then got it fixed out, so. But I am, I am a uh, football guy, uh, I am, you know, American football, I'm, I'm a sports guy, but there's, there's a, this is really transparent. I hope some of you guys can teach me how rugby works, but yeah. Anyways, um, before I get started into prayer, I just wanted to give a big shout out. Um, who has ever uh, woken up at 3 a.m. for church? Anybody? Raise your hand. A couple of you guys. Um, there's some loved ones, especially my girlfriend Megan and all the people in the states that I come from. They all had to set alarms for 3 a.m. and most of them are watching. So big shout out to you guys. Love you guys. Um, yeah. So let me, let me just open this up in prayer. So glad to be with you guys. Oh, Heavenly Father, calm my nerves, calm this room. Let your Holy Spirit fill it. And Father, I ask for you to just use me. I ask for just your will will be done. Father, may we slow down, may we realign May we take this moment, this Sunday morning, just to remember, just to give thanks. Teach us what we know not, give us what we have not, and make us who we are not. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray, amen. So the tension in the room, I can only imagine what it felt like being in that room. I can imagine some people against the wall. I can imagine some people sitting in an almost jaw-dropping silence where you can feel your own heartbeat, just something like this. When all of a sudden this scribe comes in and asks a question, and he finally smiled, because the response usually deterred to death, persecution, and a response that Jesus was not looking for. But this man who walked in and asked the question, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered. And this scribe says the same exact thing and says, and then Jesus responds at the end, a most prolific, probably arguably my opinion, the most important sentence that we can ascribe to as Christians. The sentence that, if you guys heard this from God, I feel like all your worries and anxieties would disappear. Your heartbreak would be healed. Your disease would be gone. All these things, oh my goodness, would be so 
so gracious to hear this one sentence. And I know we all have these one sentences that could change our Christian walk, but these words from Jesus, he looks at the man and says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. If you ever, I can't be alone sometimes when I feel far from the kingdom of God. I feel far from God. I can't hear his voice sometimes. I don't like what I see in the reflection of the mirror. How did you choose me? What's going on in my life? What's the next steps? The anxiety is overwhelming and the depression is so suppressing. I don't even want to be a pastor anymore. Sometimes I feel far from God and I know I cannot be alone in that. And what was the really cool thing about this, we didn't align with messages. Ryan, I had no idea that we were doing communion today. But the give thanks was so amazing to me because sometimes, especially when we give, I feel close to the kingdom of God. And when we went to the communion and remembrance, and I was at a church in Long Island a couple months ago, and the pastor reminded us of communion in a way I've never heard it before as a superpower. As a Christian, sometimes communion is the least used, just wondrous superpower of the Christian faith. As a Jesus follower, what does communion do? It transports us into that room. It transports us back to the beginning. Oh, how I pray sometimes, Lord, take me back to the beginning where my love for you was so real, so passionate, so enlightened. The zeal for, that I had for you, take me back to the beginning. But communion, oh my goodness, the pastor opened my eyes and he goes, why do we only take communion on Sunday at church? Why don't we take communion every morning or every time that we feel absolutely overwhelmed? I need to go home. I need to take communion. I need to get back into remembrance. It takes me back to the cross. It takes me back to what's really important. It's a beautiful thing, and I love communion. But my encouragement is church is so great, offered it once a month. But take that superpower as a Christian, as a Christian man or woman and use it more. Sit at the Lord's table more. Sit at the Lord's table with your family before dinner. Take communion together. Do things that are, oh, amazing and are gonna bring you back, amen? And so what I wanna cover today is um, something very, very simple, very profound. But I have to admit that even as a pastor a couple years ago, I had this wrong for many years. I was taught to love my neighbor. And I want to go over this today. And before I op we open scripture, I want to give us this synopsis of where we're going. Because as a, as a pastor and a shepherd, sometimes we just wish we can just like rope all you guys together and like, hey, let's, we're going this way. And this is what we're going to do today, okay? And the synopsis is we don't love our neighbor to convert them. We love our neighbor because we have been converted. We don't love our neighbor to convert them. We love them because we have been converted. And the two things we're going to be going over is by showing hospitality and generosity. So if you have your Bibles with me or with you guys, I want you to open up to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And before I usually read the Bible, I didn't do a last service for some reason. But every time I open scripture at all, I give thanks. 
Because who would be where they're at today without this? Right? And Friday night, I was preaching so hard. I opened it up, I grabbed it, and all of a sudden, I ripped a page out of my Bible. And, you know, the famous quote of like, oh, man, uh, my Bible's falling apart. That's probably why my life isn't. Who has, who has pages fallen out? Anybody? Coffee stains, tears. I think I have paint, painter's tape. Painter's tape, I just tape pages together. You know, it's just kind of a funny thing. But before, when I open scripture, I always want to pray and give thanks because there's still people today that are fighting for their life. Their group of people, their community has one copy of scripture, if at all. They have maybe one book of the Bible, if that. They have to go in secret, a secret underground church. They have to risk their lives to open this Bible. So I just want to pray for scripture. Oh, Jesus, we thank you simply for your word. The red letters, the lessons, the, the transformation, the reborn rebirth of our souls and hearts through scripture. We thank you that we have the chance to open it and get to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 12, verse 28. I'm gonna put you guys right back into that story where I opened service. It says this, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that, God. Could you imagine walking up to Jesus and hearing something and saying, oh, Jesus, yeah, you're right. You got that right. You know, I was looking for an answer and you provided the right one. So Jesus, you are correct. Thank you. Uh, saying that God is one and there is no other but him. Verse 35, to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any questions. When Jesus, the son of God, turns to an individual and says, you are not far from the kingdom of God, and then no one asked another question. Oh, I pray that if you don't know this great commandment and you don't know to love your uh, neighbor as yourself, I pray that scripture and today's message enlightens you to walk towards that because everything, I mean everything in your life as a Christian sprouts from that, amen? And so the beautiful, the beautiful way to start, yeah, the greatest commandment, the Lord is one and we love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength most beautiful piece, but what we're going to do is focus on that last little chunk of love your neighbor as yourself. And some of you guys are going to ask, we're going to kind of break this down, and we're going to first go on saying, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. I was fighting with myself, you guys. I'm like, the first service, I'm like, should I do it? And it's just kind of, some of you guys singers know, you just got to break out in song even though I sound like a dying horse. Um, 
But what is love? What is love? That word is used so much throughout the world. We use it to each other so much. But what is it? And it's just a simple moment of just remembrance. And I just want to read you my favorite chunk of scripture in all of the Bible. And so if you have your Bibles and you're really good at flipping fast, I think it's on the screen too. But um, I just want us to break down that first word, love. What is love? And it's really, really expressed in 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 21. And I'll read you guys this scripture. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. One of my favorite verses, really quick, side tangent, welcome to Pastor Zach's mind. Um, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, what I just read, is one of very few verses, if not the only one, that perfectly cross-references to John 3.16. For God so loved the world. And what's so cool is that we read John 3.16, go to the same author, and he says, this is love. This is love. Not that we loved God. Even though I love how much love you guys have for the Lord, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that, who acknowledges that? If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. It's not supposed to be complicated, loved ones. Let me read that again. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us that we will be, have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have not seen cannot, or who they have seen cannot love a God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, and who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Amen. So just expressingly and definitively coming up with that definition of love as a Christian, even though the world might point to love as a different thing, may we all kind of, maybe if you need to rewatch that, may we all come to the terms on the same page of love is God and God is love. And so let's answer some questions today, to, uh, to, to, today with each other. You might be asking, how do we love our neighbor? How do we love our neighbor? But first, we need to answer, who is our neighbor? 
Anyone have any guesses? Shout it out. Who's our neighbor? Everybody. Okay. Our neighbor is thus anyone in our proximity with whom we can share God's love. We are called not to only to love those who are similar to us or whom we are comfortable, but all whom God places in our path. In fact, Jesus said, I'll tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not, are, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. I cannot be alone in the fact that like some people are hard to love, even in our own family. Co-workers, hard to love. Sometimes you don't have the energy or the willpower or anything like that when you're going to the grocery store and you know because the Holy Spirit in the, in in my world, in my some of you guys might be agree where when the Holy Spirit urges you to go say something to someone or something, you feel in your gut. Anybody else? It's like oh, I should, and all of a sudden anxiety is like oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. I can't. What should I say? You know, and just go up to them, say God loves you, and then smack them, and then come back. No, don't smack them. But sometimes I get like nervous, and I'm like, okay, how do we approach that? How, do we, how can we get better at listening to the Lord? And I just want to go through two things, because some of you guys are like, okay, I want to love my neighbor as myself. But how do I even start? Where do I even start? And there's two ways we can start simply, simply out of our conversion. Can we pop that uh, synopsis up really an, another time? Of, uh, that's a fancy word. Um, yes. We don't love our neighbor to convert them. We love them because we have been converted by showing hospitality and generosity. Just leave that up for a second. Um, for again, I got this wrong. I got this wrong. I'm like, how do I love my neighbor myself? I'm going to go to all my neighbors. I'm going to invite them over to dinner. And I'm going to do all this stuff so that they can be converted. Like, I'm not the one who converts people. And sometimes I just did, I was striving, I was performative, I was just doing things. I was like, hey, invite, like, come on, come on, come on, come on. You have to be converted. Come on, come on, come on. I'm like, chill. And I want to go over that first little step of hospitality. Hospitality. Again, out of our conversion. We don't do, we don't set up a meal or we don't perform hospitality because we're trying to convert people. We do it because we have been converted. And if you have been converted, God's love lives in you. And you're taught and you're commanded to love others. And so that's the most hospitality is the most used ministry tool that Jesus has ever used. This is kind of a harsh statement, but it's a true, it's a, coming from like, I, I really believe I have a father's heart. I wouldn't be a pastor. I just have so much compassion with this. But the truth is, if you're not practicing hospitality in some way, opening your arms, or your house, or your wallets, or your time, or your just prayer life, or anything. If you're not opening it up, I have to say that I'm pretty sure that you're far from God. And I don't want to be explicit with that. I'm not trying to condemn because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the most used tool that Jesus has ever used, in the Gospel of Luke, I think it's like 
I think 40, 31 times or something like that. I can't remember. But he's either going to having a meal or leaving a meal. So many of the stories that you guys have ever read in the Gospels is him eating the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, the upper room before the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus, meals. Everything is happening over meals. That's why in most ministry senses, all of us pastors are saying, hey, we need to, we need to go have coffees with people. We need to invite people over and have meals with people, break bread. That's why, like, you know, we just, we just eat too much, man. I just, I'm worried, you know. I'm only 34, but I got to slow down. And so I was taught this, the hospitality. It doesn't have to look like a meal. It doesn't have to look anything because I know some of you guys are just not good cooks. Give people food poisoning. But check this out. There is, there is a microwave and there is instructions, okay? So just if you can follow the word a little bit, you can probably follow uh, frozen pizza's instructions, okay? So just be careful with that. But my mom taught me this. We, I, we didn't grow up in a Christian household. I didn't grow up in a Christian household. And my, my mom taught me something so amazing. And any moms out there that do the same thing, I love you so much. It teaches your children way more than you think. And it planted a seed in me every Sunday night growing up. And still to this day, even though I don't live close to my mom, every Sunday she has Sunday night dinner. Every Sunday. And growing up, my doors were not locked. I'm not getting giving you my address because I don't know if my mom locks it still. But every Sunday night, you know, when I was in college and on, on college football team, I invited like 20 bros to come have dinner and my mom, big pots, just buffet style of food, hospitality. And the one thing that even before I met Jesus back in 2015, that my mom did, and it, my faith and her, we had conversations that kind of reinvigorated her faith and re-enlightened it. And just, we had this moment. But before we became followers of Jesus, my mom and I, she made every single one of us at Sunday dinner say what we're grateful for. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And years later, I asked my mom, like, where'd that start? And she goes, I just listened to, you know, because she did go to church and she fell back and you know how it goes. Um, and she learned that from church. And it's the greatest, one of the greatest gifts because my biggest passion, my biggest like aspiration as a man um, in the future is I just pray that I have the means to provide a house and have an open room all the time. Because I know I've, I've been there. I've lived in my car for a year and people have been so gracious to me. I've been homeless and it's just, there's been so, so many times in my life where I'm like, I'm gonna be that person that's gonna provide meals and a place to stay for people who are really struggling, Amen. So hospitality, beautiful, beautiful. I challenge you, if you go through all this scripture and you just keep that word hospitality in your mind, you're gonna have some fun because you're gonna see a lot of meals. So number two, number one, hospitality. Number two, generosity, again, out of our conversion. Out of our conversion. We do not, we're not hospitable and we're not generous so that we're hospitable and generous because of. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And generosity is simple, loved ones. I know it's kind of a, a moment of like, ugh, when we talk about money and talk about giving and talk about generosity, but I got some, I got some ways that we can be generous. 
okay? If not time, if you don't have a lot of time, you need to give some money. If you do not have money, then you need to give a lot of your time, okay? And if neither, if you don't have time or money and you're, sh- you're really struggling, you're going for it, then you're gonna offer and you're gonna become the biggest prayer warrior that anybody knows. You're gonna offer your time and pray and you're gonna reach out to people. How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? You're gonna write it down. You're gonna keep going. You're gonna be generous with your money, time, and prayer life. Amen? Money, time, or prayer life. We are going to be people of generosity and hospitality. Amen. So uh, another question I wanna answer with you guys is what if the people around us we just dislike them all, or we loathe your neighbor, or they wronged you, or you have disagreements, and oh my goodness, is forgiveness the Lord's healing medicine? I just know that if someone across from you is really, just has done you dirty, and I know how hard this step is, and what this step is by faith with our Lord Jesus is going to be saying, hey, I forgive you. Oh, this first step, I forgive you, because what you're, what you're after as a Christian is a clear conscience. You don't want to wake up. You don't want to leave your house. You don't want to, you don't want to uh, leave or come or anything like that around your life, your coworkers, anything. You, Christian, are the one that needs to take the step to clear the air. Okay, I know that's very difficult, but again, I'm going to read that again. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Are you praying for those people? That you may be children of the Father in heaven because he again causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So number one, uh, generosity, or number one, hospitality. Two, generosity, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this, got, this hit me in the middle of this last song, and because there are some, there's a lot of us in this room, um, and I have to speak from experience that when we hear the love your neighbor as yourself, it's a very, very difficult thing. You lift that mirror up, and you don't love yourself at all. You do not like what you see. You wish you're in a different life, different moment, different time. There's a lot of things about yourself that you do not like, rather hate. And to be far from the kingdom of God or to be far from oneself, this is just a moment of clarity and a moment of of realization that we cannot love our neighbor as ourself if we hate ourselves. If we never think we're good enough or we not feel like we're ever loved, may this be a moment in time with you, my loved ones, that you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to really do some introspective work and say, do I even believe on the grace and mercy and the love of the Father towards me as his son or daughter? Do I even believe that? Do I even believe what these scriptures say about my physical appearance, my inward soul, my mental health? Do I even believe what the Lord has to offer me Do I even believe that? Why? Why? If we read Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Why are we so quick to condemn ourselves? May we go to war with our reflection, but our offense is the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus. Amen? 
And I know that's a very, very difficult thing. But we love our neighbor as ourself, but first the identity of loving oneself and experiencing and bringing in the love of the Father towards oneself first. It's a very, very important step. Because in Psalm 73, this is a beautiful thing. We have heard so many times, so many times, so many times that God is with you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. It's such a beautiful thing, such a beautiful posture. We're always correct on that. But sometimes us pastors drop the ball in remembering that we need to teach our people the posture in saying, Psalm 73, I am always with God. He holds me by my right hand. Waking up in the morning saying, I am always with God. He loves me through and through. I am always with God. I am always with God. I am always with God. He holds me by my right hand. I am always with God. Because I we probably are more um, like we've heard that so many times where the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. He's always, he's always with you. But today I want to remind you that you are always with him. Amen. And he holds you by his right hand. So the love of the heavenly father needs to shine bright through and through. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of introspective work. What about yourself do you hate the most? And that's where we need to find the Lord's mercy and grace in your life. Amen. So again, we do not love our neighbor to convert them, but, we, but to love them because we are converted. Don't strive, don't be performative. And as I close, may we all be a church that is reminded by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, reminded. John 14, Jesus says, I am going to send you the Holy Spirit to remind you everything that I've said and taught you. The Holy Spirit came down to us, for us in the book of Acts so that it can remind us and teach us everything that Jesus has said and taught. May you listen to the Holy Spirit. May you be re-enlightened to what Jesus has said about you and your soul. And we're gonna be a church. We're gonna be a church that's gonna love our neighbor as ourself. And before that, we're gonna do some individualistic work and we're gonna love ourselves. We're gonna love the reflection in the mirror because our, the most high, the person who created you, said something about you that is beautiful. Amen. And I just wanna end it with this beautiful poem because it's kind of silly, it's kind of it's fun. Because sometimes we're walking through life and we're doing things and like, man, I don't know how to help my neighbors. How do I help my neighbors? What do I do? How do I love? Um, and this poem is a kind of a cute one. I love it. And it says this, what is God calling me to do? As I sit by the window and wonder, what does the Bible say I should do? As I sit by the window watching a woman drop her briefcase, Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead. I never did that. As I sit by the window, I watch someone walk their dog. Jesus said, I've come so you can have life more abundantly. How do I live life more abundantly? As I sit by the window watching an old man pick up his bags. As I wonder about Jesus, how he died for my sins, as a servant making my life clean, what do I do with that? As I sit by the window, I watch a dog run away. What can I give Christ in faith? What do I have to offer? Why did he choose me? The greatest of us was a perfect servant. How do I love others like Jesus? How do I love my neighbor? As I sit by the window, a neighbor knocks. I open the door. He says, we need help, says the neighbor, to find the neighbor's dog that ran away. Thank you, God. 
you answered my prayer. So Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person in this room. First and foremost, foremost to experience your love through all the mistakes, things said, the things said to us, Father, that belittle us, that break, break us down, that bring us down. Father, sometimes your love, admittedly, Father, I'm a broken human, sometimes your love seems so far away when the world is just saying that I'm something else. Father, please make your love more evident so I can love my neighbors as myself. Please, Father, may, may I experience experience refreshment on my soul. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you, you teach us again what love is. It's not what the world says. It's not what even, even other people say. It's what you say what love is in my identity, my appearance, my IQ, my EQ, my life, my heart, and my mind, and my soul is what you say it is, not anyone else. Father, may we start there. May we learn to be more hospitable and more generous. Father, I just thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.